0: a weekly mini podcast where I share my best tips for hacking your healthy mama life with simple tips for easier eating, cooking, and living a healthy mama life in 20-ish minutes, about the time it takes you to fold a load of laundry. So let's do this, mama hey friend welcome back to healthy mama hacks i'm chris your host and i am so excited to bring you part two in our cooking basics series i will warn you ahead of time they are doing some work in the apartment across the way so there might be some sounds in the background i'm going to do my very best to edit out any extra sounds but if you hear some buzzing that's what's happening This mama has to get her recordings done when the kiddos are occupied. So (laughs) it is what it is. So last week, we talked about where to begin when it comes to learning how to cook or learning how to become a better cook. We talked about why learning how to cook can be so helpful in terms of your budget, in terms of your health, and how rewarding it is to be able to cook meals from scratch. And we talked a little bit about how to go about doing that. We talked about starting somewhere that it doesn't have to be all or nothing when you're learning how to cook or learning how to become a better cook. We talked about gaining confidence with your equipment, learning about cooking terms, learning how to use your senses, which is what we are going to dig into even more today. And I gave you some homework to do some research and eat. Start exploring food, start exploring flavors, and start playing in the kitchen. Consider what you love about food and spend more time cooking. The more time you spend cooking, the more confident you'll become and the more you'll learn about food and the better cook you will become. So today I want to dig into one of my very favorite topics when it comes to teaching about cooking, and that is the elements of flavor. What makes food taste good? I want you to think about your favorite meal what makes your favorite meal different other than the fact that someone else cooked it for you uh, typically I mean you might cook your favorite meal as well but I think for most of us it's something we get at a restaurant or something we grew up loving it might be something nostalgic or something that's just really darn delicious what makes it different from the other meals that you typically eat is it a certain flavor combination is it the texture of the different ingredients in that meal. Typically, it's not the fact that the ingredients in the meal are fancy, or expensive. And it's also likely that it's not because the person who made that meal had perfect knife skills. Though those things can sometimes help, chefs understand the elements of flavor. And not just chefs, but good cooks understand the elements of flavor, taste, texture, and temperature. And through these, they're able to create meals that are balanced in taste and have a variety of tastes and textures to provide contrast and mouthfeel. It's literally an experience for your senses within the dish. That is what makes food taste so good. This does not mean your meals need to be overly complicated or have a ton of different ingredients or fancy sauces that take a lot of time and energy. It just means that when you know the different elements of flavor and you learn to be able to start to play with taste, texture, and temperature within your meals, you can up-level even the most everyday meals. You can create that experience, that sensory experience within your dishes. Food should be an adventure for your taste buds. So let's chat the three elements of flavor. Element number one is taste. Many of us already know that there are five main tastes. There's sweet, there's salty, there's bitter, there's sour, and there's umami. The whole goal when it comes to taste is that we don't want any one of those flavors to overpower the others. Think about a dish that is made with raw kale, okay? Or if you make a kale salad but you don't massage the kale really well with a good dressing that has a little bit of acidity to it, usually a little bit of sweetness to it. The kale is really bitter, and it oftentimes doesn't have the greatest texture either, and we'll get to that soon. But the bitterness is going to overpower the flavors of everything else in the dish. If you're just munching on raw kale with nothing on it, it's going to make the whole dish a little bit, eh, not so great. But if you take that same kale... And you massage it with a dressing just like the one I mentioned. My favorite way to massage kale is either with a Caesar dressing or with some avocado and a little bit of honey and some lemon juice and some sea salt. And it really balances out the bitterness of that kale. Now that is a delicious base to a salad or a side for another dish as well. So you don't want any one flavor to overpower. Same thing with foods that are overly salty. When a food is overly salty, then that's all we taste. All we taste is the salt, and we can't actually taste the other ingredients or the other flavors within the dish. Same thing with something that's super sour. Like if you're just sucking on a lemon by itself, it is overpoweringly sour. So how can we balance that out? Well, we can take that lemon and we can turn it into literal lemonade, or we can turn it into lemon bars. If you think of a lemon bar, you've got the sourness. But you've got a little bit of the sweetness, and oftentimes you have a sweet crust that goes along with it. But oftentimes the crust also has a little bit of a saltiness to it, too. Same thing with key lime pie, there's that balance with a graham cracker crust that's kind of sweet and salty. And then you can also talk about textures when it comes to that, too. But we're talking about taste right now. So the whole goal is that you don't want any one flavor to overpower, you really want to balance the flavors. And again, This doesn't need to be overly complicated and it doesn't mean that you need to have every single flavor perfectly balanced in every dish. It just means if something's a little bit overpowering, then you balance that out with some of the other tastes. And I will talk about that a little bit more as we get into each one of the tastes. So what I wanna do is I wanna take you through each one of the five tastes and I wanna share a little bit about how you can utilize that in your cooking to balance out your meals. The first taste that... I am assuming all of us recognize is sweet. Think about a dish that is just cloyingly sweet. It is so sweet you can barely stand it. Now, many of us have a sweet tooth, myself included, but even, even though You might have a sweet tooth. You can tell when something is so, so sweet, you can barely even handle it. It's just too much for your taste buds. Remember, we don't want any one flavor to overpower the other flavors. Think about caramel by itself. It's very, very sweet. But what if you add a little bit of salt to that caramel? It adds an instant contrast in flavor that is just so delicious. And then maybe we'll cover that in a slightly bitter, slightly sweet, dark chocolate so you've got that caramel with that salt and that slightly bitter dark chocolate then you have a deliciously balanced dark chocolate salted caramel Sweet foods do an excellent job of balancing out flavors, especially overly salty flavors and especially umami. Umami is that flavor that is savory. So think soy sauce or meat or mushrooms or a really aged cheese. Sweet can really balance those out. So think about an aged cheese with a little bit of honey. Or think about a soy sauce when you mix that up with maybe some... maple syrup for a maple soy glaze. It really helps to balance them out. So it's really great to balance savory dishes, just having a little bit of sweet with more savory dishes. And it also balances out sour, like we used the example of lemon squares. It also balances out bitter, like I used the example of the kale salad. And it also balances out spicy foods, which isn't a flavor in and of itself or a taste in and of itself, but it is something that is a factor when it comes to flavor. So it's important that we mention spice as well because sweet does help to balance out spice. Sweetness doesn't have to come from sugar as is frequently assumed. I just mentioned a couple different ways that you can get sweetness from honey, from maple syrup, from agave nectar, but sweet also comes from fruit and then sweeter starches like sweet potatoes and butternut squash. So anything that is overly sweet can be pretty easily balanced out with salt like I mentioned the caramel example, or sour. So think about those lemon squares. They balance each other out really well. The next taste that is easily recognizable is salt or saltiness. But saltiness doesn't have to just come from salt. Other options or other foods that are salty include dried meats. So think prosciutto and salami, capers, hard cheeses, olives, smoked salmon. So those are just a few examples of salty foods. I mentioned soy sauce at the beginning. There are actually several cuisines that rely on using more salty type ingredients rather than adding more salt to their dishes. Think about anchovies and capers in Italian food or soy sauce in Asian cooking. Same thing with like a fish sauce, which is a little bit salty as well. So salt doesn't have to come from salt. Salt should enhance the flavor of your food. It shouldn't taste salty salt is a flavor enhancer it's one of the most important flavor enhancers and if you are utilizing mostly real food ingredients and you're not eating a ton of processed foods sodium isn't something you need to be super concerned about when it comes to health either a lot of people hear about salt and they're like oh i can't have any salt at all but the Large sodium amounts in food oftentimes comes from heavily processed foods, not from actually adding salt to your dish. And when you add salt to your dish and you know how to salt in the right way, you're not going to need as much as you might actually think you need. So I want you to consider salt a flavor enhancer. Salt does a really good job of balancing bitter flavors. So think about salting bitter greens. It enhances that sweet flavor. So think about the salted caramel. And it also enhances and balances out sour As well. If you add too much salt to a dish, one of the reasons I always recommend when you are salting your food to salt as you go is you really can't take salt away from food. And you also want to consider the sodium levels of some of the foods that you are putting into your dishes. So if you're using a very salty broth instead of like a homemade broth that might not have any or a very small amount of salt in it, that's going to add some salt to your dish. Same thing if you're adding a salty feta or some olives or some capers or something like that so it's important to consider the ingredients that you're using when it does come to adding salt to your dish but if something is too salty you can mask it with some sweet sweet helps to balance out salty like I just shared some acidity from vinegar also helps to balance out salt and lemon juice will also help as well okay Bitter. We talked about bitter a little bit when I used the kale example and bitter can be overpowering and it's not most people's first choice of flavors. Oftentimes we think of bitter as being a bad thing, but bitter doesn't have to be a bad thing. Bitter can actually be a really excellent way to balance out the flavors in a dish. So think about adding coffee to a barbecue rub or dark chocolate adds a really delicious bitterness. And I love adding dark chocolate to my chili because dark chocolate or bitter ingredients tend to balance out heavy dishes. This is one of the reasons I love adding some sort of greens to my heavier meat stews. So I have this sweet potato, kale, and beef stew that does a really great job of balancing out the fattier, heavier stew meat with the slightly bitter kale, and then the sweeter sweet potato. I will link that recipe in the show notes, but think about collard greens or kale in the South with bacon. Bitter food can be something that can be a really great thing to add to your dishes, to just add something a little bit different. It can actually be something that adds a pop of flavor that you might not expect. So you don't want to be seeking out dishes that are overly bitter, remember we don't want anything to be overpowering or overwhelming. Bitter is typically a secondary flavor, not the main flavor, but it is it can add something to a dish for sure. And if something is too bitter, if going back to that kale example. If it's too bitter, you can balance bitter out with something sweet or even a little bit of salt. Obviously, we don't want to take it all the way to the salty side of things, but a little bit of sweet or a little bit of salt can really help to balance the bitter. So think of the honey in the massaged kale or adding that bacon to collard greens. Let's talk about sour, okay? Sour, like bitter, can also feel overpowering. If you think of drinking straight-up vinegar or lemon juice, it is a lot. But acidity is a really, really important part of cooking, and it's actually one of those things a lot of people miss, and it can completely change a dish. Acidity brightens dull food, and it also balances flavors. If you have a sweet dish, if you have a spicy dish, okay, so remember spice is not one of the five tastes, but it is important to consider. We'll talk more about spice when we talk about the different temperatures in a dish because there is perceived heat from spicy foods, and then there's also physical heat from food being actually hot, but we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But sour foods tend to balance out spiciness. So think of limes in Mexican food or think of yogurt in Indian food. So, and this also helps to balance out salty dishes as well. So a burst of sour, if something's a little bit salty or something's a little bit spicy or something is overly sweet, go back to those lemon squares. I'm going to use the same examples over and over again so you can see how this works, can be really excellent and really helpful. And even adding a little bit of sour to a heavy dish, like we talked about bitterness, can help a heavy dish but if you think of a stew that's a little bit heavier and adding um, a tablespoon of lemon juice to that it can totally brighten it up so it also complements sweet as i mentioned before so lemonade is the perfect example of something that is very very sour if you don't add the sweet to it and they balance each other out and complement each other out so sour acidity is really really important to cooking so if something feels a little bit dull or a little bit bland before you add salt try adding a little bit of sour and seeing how that works sour can almost be A seasoning in and of itself. Oftentimes, if you add a little bit of acidity, you don't actually need any more salt. All it needed was a little bit of acid. So typically I add a little bit of acid before I salt a dish. If I've already salted it, if there's no if there's no salt in it at all, then you're probably well, if there's no salt in your dish and you're already at the point of tasting it, then you totally missed out. We have to salt as we go. We'll talk more about that when we talk about seasoning. And why you're probably seasoning wrong. I love you, but you're probably seasoning wrong. And uh, we'll talk about that in just a couple of weeks. But sour can be something that can really, really brighten up a dish. The last of the five tastes is umami like I mentioned before umami is that savory flavor it's kind of that like je ne sais quoi they say in French so I don't uh, Oh gosh I wish I could even translate that it's like I don't know (laughs) and umami is actually a Japanese term and it applies to anything that has kind of a savory flavor so this could be like a meaty type flavor from actual meat or this can come from mushrooms aged cheeses soy sauce and even beans and grains have a little bit of that umami type flavor to them so So umami, savory, isn't just for meat. So plant-based meals can be very umami. They can be very savory. Think about a mushroom burger, how savory and delicious that is. So... Sweet and sour both enhance umami, but you don't want to use too much of either or they will compete. So you don't want to be again. You don't want any of the flavors to be super overwhelming. So you don't want to put way too much sweet with the umami or way too much sour with it because they'll they'll compete with that beautiful savory flavor. Salt is something that naturally enhances umami. I mean, just think about salting a burger or using soy sauce in something that is savory. It just instantly Complements it. So a little bit of salt, remember a little bit goes a long way, but a little bit of salt really helps to enhance umami. And Asian food in general is a really good example of balancing out all of the flavors, but especially that umami type flavor and bringing out umami through things like fish sauce and soy sauce and mushrooms, not necessarily just meat. So that is a great way if your dish feels like it's lacking in flavor add something a little bit umami to it so i already mentioned spice before a couple times spice is also a factor when it comes to taste but it's not one of the five tastes so we'll talk more about that when we talk temperature but i did also want to talk about fat when it comes to taste we cannot forget fat because fat affects both mouthfeel texture which we'll talk about in a second, but it also carries flavor, okay? So butter, cheese, peanut sauce, avocado. That fat is going to add a component of not just the taste of whatever you are putting in it, but also mouthfeel. And so when you are trying to enhance your dish, think, okay, think about something that is essentially fat-free. So my favorite example to use, because it's something I used to eat when I was a bodybuilder, is steamed broccoli, plain chicken breast with like a salt-free seasoning. Ugh, you guys, why did I torture myself like that? And plain white or brown rice. There's essentially no fat on that. There's also essentially no salt on that. There's essentially no flavor. So what if instead of steamed broccoli and just plain like poached chicken And just plain old rice. We take that broccoli and we drizzle it with a little bit of sesame oil and we roast it up in the oven. Sprinkle some sesame seeds on top for a little bit of texture. And then we go ahead and we take that chicken and we leave the skin on and we drizzle it again with some oil. And we tuck a little bit of garlic and um, maybe you could use ginger or shallots underneath that skin, season it really well and roast that in the oven until it's absolutely delicious. And you could even use chicken thighs, which are a little bit fattier than chicken breast, but still leaner than something like a fatty steak. If you do want a dish that's a little bit lighter and not so heavy, and then take that rice and make it coconut rice. Oh my gosh, you guys. So now we took chicken broccoli and rice and we just added a little bit of fat to it so just a little bit of sesame oil to that sesame roasted broccoli and then we just kept the skin on the chicken and added a little bit of fat there just a drizzle of oil on top we're not talking about adding gobs and gobs and gobs of fat to this but we are adding flavor with that so all of a sudden that chicken has a crispy skin on top that's nicely salted and then there's melt in your mouth garlic and ginger and shallot when you cut into that chicken the broccoli is crispy and flavorful flavorful because hopefully you also salted your broccoli as well but there's also that sesame oil in there and then there's that rice that you've cooked in coconut milk so there's a creaminess to it and oh my gosh you guys the flavors in that dish compared to just the plain steamed dish are outrageous plus it also helps to carry nutrients so your body is going to better be able to utilize the nutrients in that dish when you've got a little bit of fat there as well okay So many people in the past have asked me what the secret to delicious food is, and it's basically what I'm teaching you today. It's taste, texture, and temperature, but usually my kind of tongue-in-cheek answer when people ask me what the secret is to delicious restaurant food, I just say butter. (laughs) Butter and salt are basically it, okay? Chefs use a lot of butter. There's no secret in that. Most chefs use a lot of butter except for vegan chefs, but I can tell you. Even vegan chefs are going to use a vegan butter here and there to enhance the flavor of their dish. They are still using fat. Even if you are, if, even if it's a completely vegan dish, they're using avocados, they're using cashews, making a cashew cream or a cashew, um, Caesar dressing. They are also using fat in order to enhance the flavor of those dishes as well. So we don't want to forget about a little bit of fat in our dish when it comes to taste as well. And then fat brings us into texture because Fat provides flavor and it carries flavor and provides mouthfeel, which is one of the important elements of texture. So the first element of flavor is taste and the second one is texture. Okay, so fat also contributes to texture. So using that example of making that chicken crispy and making that broccoli have that little bit of bite to it and making that creamy and delicious coconut rice but when it comes to texture, essentially you're thinking about mouthfeel. So you're thinking about what that feels like when you bite into it and when you're chewing it and what what actual um, feelings you're going for when it comes to the dish. And I'm not talking about internal feelings. I'm talking about like crunching in. Think about crunching into a crunchy and salty and slightly greasy potato chip. There's just something about that. There's the fat, there's the salt, there's the crunch. A potato chip that is soggy There's still the fat and there's still the salt, but there's no crunch. It's not the same thing. So that actual texture is really important. And when it comes to an entire dish, having some variety and some contrast in the textures within that dish is really important. So let's take the chicken example again, because lots of us eat chicken. And if you are plant-based, then we can replace it with baked, crispy baked tofu okay so let's take that tofu or let's take that chicken and let's poach it and then let's put it next to or poached fish anything anything that's just like plain and so we're not gonna we're we're just gonna bake that tofu we're not gonna make it crispy okay so you've got either choose choose your own adventure okay so imagine poached chicken poached fish or poached or just like baked tofu just plain okay whatever seasonings you want but that's that kind of like basic poach texture and then on the side to it let's add some mashed potatoes to it okay and then you know what let's put some mushy peas on the side okay let's enjoy that dish i don't know about you but um i'm not so into the textures in that dish everything is just a little bit mushy But what if we take that chicken or that tofu or that fish and we just sear it, okay? Or we take that tofu and we chop it up, we press it first, press it, and you toss it in some cornstarch and some salt and put it on some parchment paper and bake it in the oven at 400 for about 10 minutes. It is crispy. It is delicious. It is basically fried, except not fried. It's so good. Please try it. (laughs) And so take that, that crispy tofu or take that chicken and make the same chicken I mentioned when I was just talking about the chicken broccoli and rice example and put that next to the mashed potatoes. And then maybe let's put some sauteed broccolini on the side. I don't know why broccoli is on my mind right now, but it is. Or even like sauteed asparagus or something that has a little bit more of a bite to it than mushy peas. Okay, so you still got the mashed potatoes there, but you have completely changed it just by changing the texture of the protein and the texture of the vegetable. Or let's take that poached fish. I love a good fish that is um, cooked on papillote. So in parchment paper with some delicious vegetables and seasonings, some butter, you cook that in the oven. Instead of putting that next to mashed potatoes, what if you put it next to roasted potatoes? Now, you have a fish that has those vegetables that have been cooked alongside it and some crispy roasted potatoes or air fried if you have an air fryer. That's going to completely change the dish versus having mashed potatoes next to it. Okay, so texture is huge. You want variety and contrast in texture. So, you don't want everything to have the same texture. So, if your meal tastes good, but it's just sort of like meh, i find sometimes slow cooker meals can feel like this a little bit and so you know there's there's nothing wrong with a good super stew but even having a super stew and then having a crispy piece of garlic bread on the side can completely just change the entire dish because you're just adding some texture to it or think about french onion soup and they put that you know typically it's like a crispy baguette on top with cheese that they broil and so you have that little bit of like crispy top but then it's a little bit soft as it starts to soak into oh gosh i love french onion soup it's so good there's a variety of textures there too so you're taking just a plain onion soup and you're adding either you know sometimes people um, sometimes chefs will do like kind of croutons but typically you are broiling a piece of bread on top with some gruyere cheese and there's the cheese there's like the creamy. And just that, I mean, indescribable melty cheese on top and then like slightly crispy on top. Bread, it changes the dish. Just plain onion soup would not, it would not do it for you. I know it doesn't do it for me. So texture is really important and that is the second element of flavor. And the third element of flavor is temperature. So just like with taste and just like with texture, we want, again, a variety and a contrast of temperatures, okay? So this doesn't need to be in every single meal. If you got the taste down and you've got the textures down and everything's pretty much the same temperature as, you know, maybe it's an all-cold salad, that's okay. This doesn't need to be like every single meal has to have like perfectly balanced taste, texture, and temperature, but it can be really helpful to have some variety and contrast in temperature. So just imagine that salad, but put on some hot and crispy chicken on top, okay? Maybe it's breaded chicken or um, some sort of like um, a hot seared steak. Um, I have this really delicious steak salad, um, kind of steakhouse salad recipe on my website. I will link that as well. And that just with a warm steak on top of the cold salad, is so good. Plus, the, the contrast of the taste in that as well. But I'm just using that example. But think of Mexican food. Mexican food's a really good example of having a variety of different temperatures when it comes to food. And um, lettuce cups are also a really good example. But here's why lettuce cups and Mexican food have a really good variety and contrast in temperature. It's not just about physical temperature, so hot and cold, so that you've got the hot filling on the cold lettuce cup. It can also be perceived temperature. So perceived temperature is something that is perceived to be hot, so perceived to be spicy, or perceived to be cold or cooling. So in the case of Mexican food, there is a contrast in hot and in cold so if you think of like a taco with warm meat or a warm filling and then like the crispy lettuce and the fresh tomatoes or the fresh salsa and the cold cheese or the cold sour cream but you also have typically the filling is also has some spice to it and if there is some heat to it those cool ingredients whether they are physically cold or perceived to be cold like a cooling sour cream it's both cold and perceived cold can really counteract that spiciness now if you were to just eat say that spicy barbacoa by itself without sour cream or cheese or lettuce or tomato or whatever it is, it might be too much for your taste buds to handle. It might be overpowering going back to taste. Temperature can help to balance that out. So if your food is too spicy, it can be balanced out by incorporating some sweet, some salty, or even some sour ingredients, okay? So creamy foods also help to balance spiciness as well. So like I mentioned, a little bit of yogurt, a little bit of sour cream, that can help to balance spiciness as well. Or sour, like I mentioned, lemon or lime can help to cut some spiciness as well because that is either physically cold or perceived cold. And then the sour actually balances out that flavor as well. So I have been talking for quite some time now, and, um, I hope you guys found this valuable. I love talking about this. And I talk about different, the different elements of flavor in every one of my cooking classes to some extent. I don't go in super detail into it, but, um, it is something that I think is really important to just start to be aware of and to help you to become a better chef, a better cook, and to help your food taste just darn delicious, you guys. This is, this is the key. These are the keys. So. I hope this was helpful. I am so excited to see your creations. So if you make any of the dishes that I mentioned in, and I didn't mention a ton, but if you make any of the dishes that I mentioned in this episode, I want you to tag me in them over on Instagram. And if your account is private, then I probably can't see it. So shoot me a DM. Let me know that you made something, that you are loving something that I shared. If you come to one of my cooking classes, please let me know that you listened to this episode and you loved it and it's helped you in your cooking. Or if you have any questions whatsoever about learning the different elements of flavor, reach out to me on Instagram. I would love to hear from you. I am just so excited to help you all become better cooks. I am so excited about this series. I hope you are loving it as much as I am. And don't forget to download the episode guide in the show notes. For the show notes, for special charts, you're going to see the um, flavor wheel and you'll be able to use that to help you create more flavors and to help you to balance taste, texture, and temperature in your meals. And there will also be any of the recipe links that I mentioned as well in that episode guide. And if you haven't checked out my other podcast, the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast, click the link in the show notes for interviews, Q&As, solo musings on living a healthy, balanced life. I will catch you next week. And until then, happy cooking.